Hello, Matthew. Uh, my name is Stephen Roman. I'm the president and CEO of uh, Global Atomic and compliments of the season. It's great to uh, end the year on a positive note here with a chat with you and and Crux Investors. Good to see you, Stephen. And what a, what a year for uranium and uranium companies. Um, and it's, it's finished strong. It's finished very strong. But here's the question I think people are going to be asking is, how does a company like Global Atomic benefit from that? How do you take advantage of that situation? Well, you know what, Matthew? Uh, we've been at it for a long time, of course. Uh, started exploring in Niger in 2007, discovered DASA in 2010. Had some big investors, J.P. Morgan, Macquarie, Investec. We were going to do an IPO, and then Fukushima happened, of course, and that shut the whole uranium industry down for 10 years. We kept working, and uh, now we've brought our project to the point where we are building. And uh, I guess we're the only and the new, the newest, and and the only greenfield uranium project in the world. So uh, that, that's a, a great statement on the uh, perseverance we've had over the last decade. And of course, uh, we expect to start producing yellow cake uh, by Q4 2025. Right, which kind of is, is interesting at the moment because um, you've obviously you announced the ATM um, recently. Um, I mean, the, Niger. Got in the way a little bit of that. It kind of you know set things back somewhat. So let's let's just talk about Niger very quickly. Uh, U.S. seems to approve the current government, but is looking for elections to be happening sometime soon. So what's the read in country? Well, you know what, the U.S. had just installed a new ambassador there, so she was presented, and uh, the U.S. is now uh, recognized the Niger government currently in place. Uh, there's a number of other countries. Germany just announced that they've re-engaged. The United Nations have just announced that they've recognized the government. Uh, so you know what? Things are stabilizing there from a, from a political point of view. And the government's idea is, of course, to have an election. I think uh, they're moving towards that. They've put in place a, a committee of a number of surrounding countries, uh, and uh, the chairman presiding is the president of Togo. Uh, and I think what they're doing is discussing timelines. I believe the government wants to go to some sort of a referendum and ask the people when do they want to have the next election. So, you know, it's moving very positively forward. And, of course, we're getting tremendous support from the government. They view this as a very important project for the country. Right. Okay. It's all heading the right way as, as these kind of um, cues tend to in, in Africa. Um, so we'll kind of keep, we'll follow, follow that with interest, but it seems to be, have all the support it needs. So back to the question on money. You've you announced the ATM, that's for 50 million bucks. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know, the, the amount of money and uh, you know why that amount of money. Well, you know what? An ATM is an at-the-market facility, um, and it's it's a tool that we have in our toolbox for financing. So this, it's a two-year term that you can use this facility. And uh, basically, you know, if you if you require a little bit of money one month to, uh, to finance a, a new truck or whatever, it's not really meant to to be a be all end all type of facility, but it gives you the flexibility to move a small amount of shares into the market with effectively, uh, you know, no brokers really involved. There's an agent, of course, that moves the shares. It's very limited. 
every month, and it's only at the discretion of the company. So we've not used the ATM, um, and we don't plan on using it anytime soon. But it's good to have that flexibility and be able to access capital very quickly, very quietly, and get it done when you need it. Okay, so you understand that. So where are you with operations on the ground? Have you resumed the build process? Absolutely. So, of course, we had a, you know, when the, the coup happened, we continued operating, but uh, supply lines were impeded because the government shut down all the borders and the air air travel. So, right now, of course, uh, over the last couple of months, that's all been opened up. Uh, we've rerouted some of our supplies now through Togo and Burkina Faso. And we've resupplied the mine, and the mine, as of December 1, restarted operations. So we are drilling and blasting and advancing the underground. Right now, uh, the plan is to actually open up the five levels initially, uh, do our fresh air return air raises. So we've got a, a big raise boring machine coming in to start doing that in Q1. Um, and we're starting earthworks in Q1. So everything is back on track. Everything's back on track. Um, and and it's worth reminding people to say, you, you just said you're aiming to get the production. So when? Q, Q4 2025, we would start Q4. the mill. Right. Okay. In today's market, we saw, I think, nine, nine, well, the ask I saw at one point this week, 92, 93 um, bucks. Um, the price of, of spot is doing a job, certainly. It's getting people a little bit excited um, about what the potential is out there. As the most advanced you know, development story out there, um, in terms of you know, how, you, how you go about talking to your institutional shareholders, I mean, what, 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 are, what are you saying to them about what next year looks like? Because obviously you've done your economics a while ago, um, you've got to have a sense of where you think the price is going to go next year and what that can do for you. Okay, well, that's a good question. And, uh, of course, we have been building the project based on a 2021 end-of-year, December 21, feasibility study on Phase 1. Phase 1 was about 20% of the ore body. We then did a subsequent drill program, 16,000 meters. We're now integrating that into a new line plan, which we will announce in Q1. So that will increase your mineable reserves. It'll increase your NPVs and all of that because your mine life will be extended. And uh, so we expect a, a fairly significant uh, improvement overall. And of course, as we do more drilling, we start bringing more of the deposit into a mineable category. So what, what we're, we've been doing, of course, the deposit's about 300 million pounds. Uh, a lot of it out in the further extents is inferred resources. The, the, the drill spacing is fairly wide. So what we've been doing is as we move through phase one, we want to start moving the, the drilling uh, to tighten up the drill spacing, move it to M&I, measured indicated, then we can move it into a mineable reserve. So we've done that now based on the drilling we've, we've completed. And so the, that news should come out in Q1. Um, and yeah, it uh, should be very, very positive. And I'm and, and just wondering how people are viewing you, because I think you always said you, for a long time, had to kind of deal with this sort of, you know, African factor where people didn't really kind of, under, well, certainly North American market didn't really kind of understand it as much. 
Now, as one of the, say, you know, most advanced stories, you're talking about, you know, four and a half million pounds of production. It's significant. Certainly when you look at some of your North American compatriots, you know, half a million pounds or, you know, a million pounds here, here and there. Institutional interest in in what you're doing is it where's that where's that coming from? Because the thing sort of it's been very niche and specialist so far. But are you starting to see these sort of generalist conversations? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, the typical uranium players are all involved in global atomics. So there's, there's a big institutional support, and of course, 2023 was a very tough year for global atomics. So we got hit initially with with uh, two major earthquakes in Turkey. Uh, that knocked a big chunk off of our valuation. And then, of course, the coup in July uh, was was a big, big hit. It knocked 50% off our share price. Now, this, this is stabilizing. I think people see that things are coming up. But, um, you know, overall, uh, 2024... You know, we're going to be in full swing building the project. And, of course, the uranium price going where it's going is we did our feasibility study at $35 a pound. Well, now it's uh, close to 90 around $90 a pound. We expect it to continue going up because there's just no supply out there. Um, and, of course, this project is... Uh, Going to have a very good profit margin. Well, I was talking, I was just looking at that, you know, you, you took about, you know, your ASIC at, you know, was it bucks? $22? $22. $22, right? Your margins are, you know, quite, quite significant, quite, quite meaningful. Um, what does this do? I mean, is it a case of like get the, get the, get the first thing over the line first and worry about where, where you go next? Because, you know, can you produce more pounds? Can you do more exploration? Can you do more in Turkey? There's a there's a lot of things which you've you know not necessarily been focused on because you've you obviously you're in a build phase. But have you got one eye to the future? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. The the deposit, as I mentioned, we'll continue drilling it and moving more into the mineable reserve. We also have a couple of other properties uh, that have a resource on them. We'd like to move those up the curve on the exploration side. You know, between Yusikanan and Tinigaran, there's another 50 million pounds. I mean, that's significant. And uh, they're still uh, open. We can do more work there. But uh, the idea was to build a centralized DASA plant and then have a pipeline of projects out in the outlying areas that you could actually bring a, a loaded resin or a pregnant solution to a DASA centralized plant and produce yellow cake there rather than building more facilities. So those deposits need to have more work on them and bring them up the curve, as well as the DASA deposit itself moving more into the mineable category. Right, okay. And um, just you mentioned earthquakes and so forth, and, and obviously the, the zinc market has been sort of a tough one as well this year. Um, what's, what are your thoughts on, on, on Turkey, you know, what you do with it, how you handle it? You know? Well, at 2023, as a result of those earthquakes, uh, we're not going to make money in 2023. So you know what? It's, it's a loss year flat, basically. But 2024, uh, with the contracts we have for dust supply, look very solid. Of course, during the earthquakes, and at that time, a lot of the steel mills shut down, so we didn't have supply. Now things seem to be getting back up. There's a huge rebuilding program going on in Turkey. They need a lot of steel. 
And so uh, we will have a good supply of, of electric arc furnace dust, which is our primary material. And uh, I think 2024 will return to profitability. So that's going to kick out also uh, revenue to us. Um, and, you know, it looks very good for long term. He said mining was easy. It's I'm sure definitely not easy. <laughs> right. Like, I, like, I just want to quick catch up before we kind of you know, get into the new year. I think the uranium space is super, super hot, super, super exciting. One of the, one of the few kind of bright, bright sparks um, in, in the whole mining sector this year for sure. Um, looking forward to seeing what's happening next year. Have a good one. We'll catch up soon, okay? Matthew, it's been a pleasure. It's been uh, great to uh, update uh, your investors uh, during the year, and uh, I would expect 2024 is going to be a very exciting year. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, everybody, and speak soon.